You're listening to Louisiana Insider, a superlative guide to a great state's destinations. Hosted by Errol Laborde, executive editor of Louisiana Life Magazine. It's not Louisiana song. It's my favorite melody. It's not Louisiana song. Hearing it echo through the cypress trees. You know, one thing we've been trying to promote uh, with these podcasts and also with our magazine, Louisiana Life, is people traveling in-state, the whole idea of um, staycations, and people say, well, that's wonderful, but where should we go? Uh, and it turns out there's a lot more places than people uh, realize. Um, one thing the state has done with a uh, cooperation with a federal program is they've designated some trails around the state, 19 of them, all that have historical significance all by definition have to have something that's unique to them that nowhere else has and with interesting stories to tell. Now they don't all have like Hilton's along the way, but they have places that are nearby, but they're just really great to explore. And with me as a person who's behind this project, uh, the director of the, the group is called Louisiana Byways. Uh, she's the uh, uh, Sharon Calcote, who's the director of the uh, um, Louisiana Byways, I guess, Commission, it's all under the Office of Tourism. And they've had some, um, and I wanna talk about some of the byways because you have to be aware, these are really interesting places. But to begin with that, you all had some good news within the last few weeks that there were two of the trails that got a new uh, designation. First of all, hi, Sharon. Hi, good morning. Okay, hi. Um, one is the Bayou Tesh Byway. What's so special about that? Okay, well, what's interesting about the Bayou Tesh Byway is it's actually inside the Atchafalaya National Heritage Area. So when it applied for national designation, in a way it had already received national designation by being part of this uh, National Heritage Area. But the Bayou Tesh Byway, had, it's uh, the Byway Water Project it's one of few national water trails in the United States. And the bayou, of course, follows the road or the road follows the bayou, whichever way it goes. But, um, you know, that talks about a combination in the most diverse cultures and groups of people. You have the Cajun, you have the Creole, you have the Native American, you have the um, Americans and the Europeans and the Spanish, and the, they all come together in this one area that's, well, it's 14 parishes, but it's incredible. And Bayou Tash, I don't know if you've ever traveled to Bayou Tash, but it goes from Arnoville to Morgan City. And in Morgan City, Years and years and years ago, I was involved in a project called the Mr. Charlie. And the Mr. Charlie was the first submersible oil rig that was created and put out in the Gulf. When they retired to the Mr. Charlie, they brought it to the banks of Morgan City. And you could have campouts on the, more, on the Mr. Charlie. You can tour the Mr. Charlie. They'll do demonstrations about what life was like 
on an oil rig on the Mr. Charlie. And it's just a fascinating attraction that I can dare say nobody else in the United States has this. I wouldn't think so. No. So, so Morgan City would be, I guess, the southern end of it. Uh, Morgan City is really uh, the gateway to the Gulf. It's, it's really at the end of the, uh, the Atchafalaya. Toward the northern end, you have uh, Bro Bridge. Well, technically yeah. the town of Cecilia. Uh, and so it kind of, that area, I mean, some of the towns people would be familiar with along the way would be Bro Bridge, St. Martinville, which of course is well known for Evangeline and the, uh, and the Evangeline uh, statue. Uh, right. Generet, Franklin, and a little bit off route, but not far, is Avery Island. And that's where the, uh, where the, where the Tabasco is manufactured. And they also do uh, industrial salt. It's a pretty area. It's, it's a really, it's a very scenic area. So if somebody wanted to go tour it, probably maybe just uh, take I-10 and, and, or I-49, come down, to, depending where you start, go to Lafayette. And once you're in Lafayette, <clears throat> you're right next to Bro Bridge and then take the trail from there. You can. And of course, Bro Bridge has great food. They have a great downtown district. And um then you have, like you say, St. Martinville, New Iberia, has a great historic district. It's a Main Street community. Uh, St. Martinville also has the Acadian Memorial. And it also has a genealogy library. And it has a mural on the wall that was painted by an artist, but he used people in the town for the models. So you can go to the bakery, you can go to the attractions and you might run into someone that you think you saw with that mural. Is there a call? has always been gorgeous. Yeah. Aren't there two murals? One from the perspective of Acadiana showing the people leaving and the other one from the perspective of St. Martinville showing the people arriving? Yes. Yes. I'm talking about the one arriving. Okay. As the faces of the people of St. Martinville in it. And then, you know, we have to talk about the restaurants and the food. I mean, you can get any kind of food imaginable. And some of the byways are promoting their gas station eats because some of the best food can be found in the gas stations. You know, the best hamburgers, the best fried chicken, uh, best turkey legs. It's amazing. Cracklins, boudin. I was waiting for you to say boudin. I mean, there's nothing like getting booed out of a gas station that's under a hot light um, <laughs> waiting for it. But, but yeah, that's it. You know, a, a food crusade, somebody say Martinville, and I might be the only person who thinks this, okay? But somebody told me, I experienced it one time, that St. Martinville, if you get gumbo in St. Martinville, it's served with a scoop of potato salad in it. Elsewhere oh, in the state. That. What? I said, I love that. Yeah, have you ever, okay. Elsewhere in the state, it's served with sweet potato. And it's not. And okay, so I'm not familiar with that. It's the last bastion for potato salad and gumbo versus the, the encroaching influence of the sweet potato. Either way, it's good. Oh, I haven't ever had it with sweet potato. Yeah, you never had it with sweet potato. Oh my God. Uh -oh. Okay, it's, it's the perfect food for gumbo because gumbo is a little, little salty, a little spicy have a little chunk of sweet potato in there. And then as you're eating, you, you know, you take a little sweet potato, it kind of balances out the taste. And it's totally Louisiana. What, what could be a more Louisiana taste in one bite than sweet potato and gumbo? 
Yeah, you're right. I'll have to try that. Oh, definitely. Yeah, I mean, you know, misses them. Yeah, you can set a whole trail right there. Okay, the the sweet potato and gumbo trail. <laughs> anyway, okay, so that's that's a fascinating area, and it's just a a beautiful area. And there was uh, there's towns. I mean, like a you know Lafayette would have a lot of places where you could stay if you wanted to um, stay over in this in, in this places um, along the way. Uh, Bro Bridge is like the self-proclaimed crawfish capital of the world. And man, I hope the crawfish come back uh, uh, for this year. And the little town of Henderson as well is, is known for its, uh, its its crawfish restaurants. And you're right on the edge of the Jafalaya. And something that really defines Louisiana uh, is the Atchafalaya. Uh, so fascinating trail. By the way, uh, this has a, uh, um, Sharon's agency has a website. It's, it's a really good website. And I urge everybody to look at it. And on it, you have maps and then little vignettes telling about the places. It really tells you a lot of information. And Sharon, if they wanted to access that website, what would they go to? LouisianaByways.com. All right. So LouisianaByways.com and look for this. And it's just really, really good. It's just a lot of information. Let's talk about uh, another one of the newly designated ones. Now, this is one a lot of people, myself included, would have never heard of. There's actually a byway getting official designation calling the Boomer Bus Byway. So what yes. is that? Okay, well, you know, that's north of Shreveport. And I think they took an unusual twist on their history because they actually are promoting the fact that they've had ups and downs in their economy and ups and downs in their industries. They talk about the oil and gas industry, the dramatic ups and downs, the lumber, transportation, farming, and entertainment too. Cause you know, even the casinos have gone up and down. They were the movie location of several movies and that's gone up and down. And I mean, they really are serious about this, but it's kind of comical in the same way that I think it's a unique perspective to talk about the ups and downs. But I think of the boomer bust a lot like Manifest Destiny and Jefferson moving westward. They're like a little microcosm of America in a 137 mile stretch. You know, you have oil and gas, timber, you have uh, the transportation, meaning mostly the railroads. They had steamboats at one time. Their agriculture. I mean, it really is. It's a little microcosm of everything that has happened across the landscape and communities all over the United States, right there in four parishes. Yeah, I think it's very refreshing, very honest, just to talk about, you know, where the problems have been. And certainly back in the boom days, that used to fuel Louisiana. Um, and, you know, when you said it's north of Shreveport, a lot of people would be thinking, I didn't know there was any Louisiana north of Shreveport, <laughs> but there's a, a chunk across and the, and the, the uh, several towns and and it's uh, also the terrain is different than what most people would be used to in Louisiana. Um, most people are used to this flatlands and kind of swampy land. This is more hilly land. Yes, but you know they do have Caddo Lake, and that's twenty thousand acres. And it, we're share, we share Caddo Lake with Texas, 
But the unique thing about this is it's been designated an internationally significant wetland. So it's a Ramsar site. And that's something that uh, was established by UNESCO in 1971. So that's a unique part of the Boomer Bus Byway that is a pro, not a con. But there's a lot I never thought that there was a wetland in northern Louisiana. Yeah. Yeah, it's internationally recognized. Go figure. But they, you know, the, also the Boomer Bus Byway is a haven for outdoor recreation and it's a haven for bird watchers. Um, I think there's like 216 different kinds of bird species that are found up in that area. And that, and Louisiana as a whole has like 450 species. So that's quite a big number for those that like to do bird watching. But they got mammals, they've got reptiles, they've got all kinds of things up there that people like to nature watch, wildlife watch. And they have state parks. So you have Claiborne State Park up there, which is gorgeous. They have great cabins that are great to stay at. You can fish. There's hunting, I guess, too, but you know, I'm not too big into the hunting aspect. Yeah. But you know, northwest of uh, Shreveport, there's a town called Mooringsport. Yep. And that is where Leadbelly came from. I'm familiar with him. Huey yep. Ledbetter, who was an early blues player. Yeah. And uh, he was born in Mooringsport. I mean, he, he spent most of his life in Shreveport and developed his uh, reputation uh, from there. But there's kind of like a, a blues heritage in, uh, in the area. And so, so if you want to tour this area, probably the place to start would be Shreveport. Uh, Shreveport's not exactly on the trail, but it's not far from it. But you have a lot of accommodations in, in Houston and uh, in, in Shreveport. And then you can just follow the trail into a part of North Louisiana that probably few people in Louisiana ever see. And so it's a really interesting uh, trail, including a town I called- I just Shreve want to mention, I, I just want to mention one thing about the boomer bus. They have KWKH transmitter tower, which was the radio transmitter tower that broadcast the Louisiana Hayride. That's right. KWKH was stationed in Shreveport. And uh, depending on the story, but Elvis got a big boost. on. Uh, he performed yeah. there. Uh, Hank Williams. There. Johnny Cash and Willie Nelson too. Yeah, and it was a big thing. It, uh, it was a time when they were, uh, I guess the Grand Line Opry in Nashville kind of started this fad, but like regional radio stations around the country had these kind of shows and, and that was really uh, important. Right, you know, and the auditorium that the Hayride was held at, it's open for tours. Uh, I don't know about right now for COVID, but they're open for tours and special events. So you can go see where the Louisiana Hayride actually took place. Yeah. Actually, I've been in that auditorium and on the stage, they actually marked the spot like where Hank Williams would have stood. So, and you know, it was in Shreveport that Elvis had become so popular after a couple of years that they had a concert with him, but he was too big for that auditorium. And so they had another building on a, state fairgrounds or something. And the crowds were so big after he left 
there were still people just cheering for Elvis when he threw Elvis and he left. And that was where the famous Elvis has left the building came from. Have you ever heard that expression? I have, I have. Okay. Yeah, the, the, the guy who was like the MC had to go on stage and announce Elvis has left the building just to get all the mostly teenage girls get them to go away, right? And, 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 and that phrase became immortalized right there on the Boomer Bus Highway. Yeah, so, isn't that funny? You never know what's going to happen in Louisiana, that's for sure. Okay. And then, of course, uh, Borksdale Air Force Base is across from uh, uh, across the river, across the Red River from Shreveport. Right. Yeah. You know, it was there on 9-11 uh, on where George Bush, when he heard about the the incident in New York and they wanted to fly him out, they didn't want to fly him to Washington because they didn't know what the situation was like. So they flew into Barksdale and um, that was where his first stop and they had a, a bunker there with TV capacity and the speech that he made addressing the nation was made from a bunker in Barksdale in Bossier. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's also an alliteration, Bunker, Barksdale, and Bossier. But anyway, yeah, that's, that's a little part of history there. Okay, well, that's a really interesting part. Now, there's another thing that got kind of like a higher, even higher designation. Uh, the Louisiana Great River Road, that we're part of the Louisiana Great River Road, and that's like a, a re, it's like a, a national road. And can you tell me about that? Well, the Great River Road is a 10-state highway. And I will say it's a series of highways because it's not just a straight line right down, but it starts at a state park as a sprinkle in Minnesota. And then it converges in Cairo, Illinois, and then it turns into the real Mississippi as we know it, south of Cairo, Illinois. So there are 10 states that are part of the Great River Road. The Louisiana Great River Road is the longest aspect of it. We're about 700 miles long. We go from the Arkansas border to the mouth of the Mississippi going into the Gulf of Mexico. And I think we definitely have some of the most interesting history along our Great River Road. You have Poverty Point, which goes back to 1500 BC as an Indian mound community that nobody really knows what ended up happening with the mound builders, but they have been up and down the river and then they just kind of vanished and nobody knows why. And when I wrote the All-American Road nomination for the Great River Road, I would have been remiss had I not talked about the kingfish. So I put a lot of information in there about Huey Long Huey Long is internationally known. It's amazing. But people in Japan, people in France, they all know about the kingfish. Okay. So I put in um, the old governor's mansion. I put in the state capitol as intrinsic qualities for uh, historical aspects of the Great River Road. And I also put in Tiger Stadium because I don't know if you know, but Huey Long wanted to build a football field. The legislature wouldn't let him, but they would let him build dormitories. So he built dormitories in the round and put the football field in the middle. And that is why Louisiana has dormitories surrounding the LSU football field. I never knew that, but I was wondering, yeah, why they had dormitories. And uh, I always figured in case 
the student had smuggling a little bit too much bourbon or something and after the game, you know, and didn't have far to go to get back to his room. But that makes more sense. Yeah, that was Huey Long's finagling, and I just thought that was a fascinating story. And I also included Mike the Tiger because LSU's the only university in the country that has a live mascot that is actually on campus. Okay. So yeah, I just big... thought that was an interesting thing. Yeah, they had a big facility for him. And you know, uh, this, it goes up the whole eastern border of the state, pretty much follows Mississippi River. It starts way down in, uh, in Bootville in, uh, in Plaquemines Parish. I might recommend that you, you don't do that part. That's like way far away. So like if you're in New Orleans, it's like a hundred miles away to go there. So maybe, maybe you might want to start in New Orleans. And well, we actually go all the way down to Venice because that's where the beginning of the mouth of the river is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if you're in Venice, you may as well go to Boothville because they're like twin cities almost. No, if you're a real adventurer, yeah, go. Uh, I've driven the whole thing several times. It's quite an interesting route. Okay. Yeah. Well, it'd be an interesting thing to do. Yeah. Just don't be in a hurry. All right. And, but by the way, but, but just go back to it and then you can kind of like in New Orleans, your base, and then follow the river. And the river has highways on both sides. Okay. So I, most of these parishes, you know, St. Charles and West St. Charles, and just go, go up the river. Um, and then it goes to Baton Rouge. And, you know, another Huey Long legend is that Huey Long's favorite hangout in New Orleans was the Roosevelt Hotel. Right, a lot of time there, and the legend is he liked the bar there. He liked the the, the Ramos Gin Fizz. The legend is, is that when they built the highway, now known as the Airline Highway, that Huey Long wanted it to be pretty much a straight line uh, between the uh, Old State Capitol and the Roosevelt Hotel, and it pretty much is. Okay, uh, if you're at the at the Old State Capitol back Rouge and, and and get on, I think it's Highway 90, I believe, or good the number is. But anyway, you get there and, you, and it's almost a straight line to the Roosevelt, New Orleans. A few turns along the way, but that was uh, Huey Long's Highway. Well, you know, I wanted to talk about another attraction. This is a relatively new attraction along the Great River Road, and it's at Homeless House. And they received, Homeless House wrote a grant and received the largest single allotment of federal dollars to build this museum. They, the grant was, I think, $5.5 million. And they built the Great River Road Museum. And if anybody hasn't been there, that is a place to go see. It's separate from the house. And they have a walkway where you can walk over the road and onto the level. And uh, this, how the, the museum has these exhibits and displays of every plantation home or every historic property that has been along the River Road. And the displays are fabulous. It's very interesting. It's nicely done. And it is really something to see. It is a, it's a relatively new attraction. I want to say it opened about two years ago. Yeah, well, actually, I've been there. I've been to that museum. It's a great museum. Yeah, with all the issues, uh, you know, when you talk about plantations, people start saying, "But oh, what about slavery?" But it talks 
a good deal about slavery and the legacy and and uh, and and and, and show some of the tools that we use. But you can really learn a lot about the area uh, there, and it's really worth seeing. You know, the other thing that's happening that they're counting on because it's been a tough time for uh, all tourism lately is um, Viking river boats are supposed mm -hmm. to be coming. Uh, and, you know, these, these boats, they're like the rage in Europe. You got all these river boats, you know, going up the Danube and all the rivers. But they're going to be coming, they're going to be going like from New Orleans, I think, to Memphis. But Homeless House is going to be a stop. And they've already built a docking area for when Viking river boats come so people can get off. Even if they're in a wheelchair, it's easily accessible across the levee and down into the place. And I think that's going to be a big help for it. You know, to see the uh, to see the home, to see the gardens, and to see that museum. Uh, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I mean, it's, it's something worth seeing today. And so, yeah, I agree with you. I recommend Homeless House very much. In my application, I also put the Sazerac House because where else in Louisiana, but Louisiana, would you have a museum dedicated to a cocktail? And I just, in the Sazerac house, I had the opportunity to tour it a couple of weeks ago, and it is just fabulous. I had no idea. But they let you sample the different kinds of liquors that they have along the way, and they tell you how it's made. That is a really, really nice museum. It is a great attraction. Yeah, well, I'm, I got to plead guilty having been there a couple of times and having sampled Sazerac's more than a couple of times. Uh, but yeah, it's really a, a great attraction, and it's not a bar. I mean, you know, no. uh, it's uh, it, it's a museum. They do have virtual bars there, and uh, so um, let me mention this if I can give a, a, a rare plug here. If someone accesses our website at um, kellyatthemonumentalist.com, um, that we have an index of these uh, Louisiana Insider podcasts and things that we've. We did a show about the Sazerac House a few weeks ago, also about Homeless House, and then also about um, the Indian Mounds at Poverty Point. And so we've talked to people. So I'm very, very pleased that you're recommending these places. I think we got like minds here, but, but, but they're, uh, they're really interesting places to see. But check it out if you have a chance. But anyway, and so this is uh, quite the route, and so it'll take you all the way up to the, uh, the northeastern tip of Louisiana. So you're really just getting the, the tour of uh, eastern Louisiana. Uh, and then after that, it connects and goes what, all the way to Minnesota? Yep, all, right, all the way up. Now, I ask you, uh, there's 19 of these tours in this, and I said we can't obviously handle all 19, but I was looking for a, uh, a couple more recommendations. And one that came up, uh, is the, the, the Cane River Byway. Uh, why do you like that? Well, you know, Cane River, the star in the Cane River National Trail is um, Natchitoches. And in Natchitoches, you have two national park sites, one the Cane River National Heritage Area and the Cane River Creole National Historic Park. And those two together tell the story of the Cane River inhabitants, the Cane River Creoles. And if you think about Natchitoches, they're known for their meat pies. Everybody knows about Lazion's meat pies. 
You have a 33 block historic district. You have uh, ability to paddle and pedal in the Cane River. The most fascinating place along this trail, I think, is the Kathy Frederick General Mercantile Store because they carry all kinds of things going back past even my childhood. My grandkids love to go to the store and they buy games. Like last year, we bought Jack's. We bought uh, the pickup sticks. We bought an old croquet game. And I mean, we took this all home and we were playing all these games all summer while they stayed with me. They love going in there because they have the old iron pots. They have the old things that are just, it's like walking into a museum, but you can purchase all these items. You have Melrose Plantation. You have the home of Clementine Hunter. And I'll tell you a story. I was, my grandparents lived in Alexandria and we used to take Sunday drives. And I remember as a child seeing Clementine Hunter on the side of the road selling her paintings for a dollar a piece. My mother would not let me stop to get one, but I was really attracted to that kind of primitive art. And I just think back now, if I would have bought any of those, think about the value of them today. I mean, it, it just boggles my mind. Now she's like a legendary figure in American art. I know. I mean, I'm so frustrated by that. And then you have all the movie sites of Steel Magnolias. So that was written by a man that lives in Natchitoches. So it was a little bit of a take on what was going on in Natchitoches. You have the, the lights, the Christmas light festival that they have every year. So much to do there. There was not to make Clementine Hunter was the uh, descendants of slaves, and I think grew up on Melrose Plantation. And she did kitchen there, and I believe some traveling artists came by, and she became fascinated by his work, and so tried her own hand at art and developed this, uh, you know, what was called native native type art. But you really get good scenes of plantation life. Um, you do. And then some writer, what for uh, an East Coast magazine, was doing a, a story about the area and did a big story about her. And she really became a big star, you know, in the last years of her life. Um, yeah, Natchitoches has a, a lot to offer. Isn't it? Yeah, you have Fort St. Jean Baptiste, which is a state park or a historic site. They do demonstrations of what military life was like back, you know, in the day. I don't know. I just think it's a very, very interesting place. And it's only 71 miles long. So, you know, it's somewhere easy to travel. It's right off the interstate. And you get to go to the Cane River National Heritage Area. But, you know, for all the famous people that are part of the Natchitoches story, I guarantee if you go sit there and sit on the bench, the person you hear most people talk about is Dolly Parton. Um, yeah. um, but she was there to film the movie. I think they still have a shop called Dolly's. Okay. In Street. It's a fascinating story, just the filming of the movie, uh, the way that they really opened up, opened up the town. So anyway, so Natchitoches, it's almost sort of like a little bit left of center of being in the middle of the state. 
but it's a pretty town. It's a hilly town. The main street in Natchitoches reminds me of Royal Street in New Orleans mm -hmm. on the bluff. If you can, uh, if you can imagine that, you know, it's that type of architecture, but that's, it's really nice. And of course, the big thing you need to know about Cane River is that it's not a river, it's a lake. Yeah, but it has, you're right, it has beautiful iron um, gates and iron posts and fences. It really does look a lot like New Orleans. Okay, there's one more place I want to ask you about, but let me just qualify. With me is Sharon Calcote, who's the director of the Louisiana uh, Byway Office, and they've got, they've got like 19 trails designated, and we really recommend it. We'll give you the, uh, um, the website address again a little bit later. Go look at the website. Now, you'll you really be fascinated. But one more place that's really of interest, I really hadn't heard of this, but boy, what a story. And this is upstate, and it's called the North Up Trail. Yeah. I was familiar with the, the Solomon North Up story back in the early 1990s when I first came to work for the Office of Tourism. There was a professor at LSUA, Sue Eakin, and she read Solomon Northup's biography or autobiography um, when she was in middle school. She was like 11 years old when she read it. And she was fascinated to read a book that had towns that she was familiar with, like Bunky and Marksville and LeCount and Bayou Buff. So she made it her lifelong effort to make the Solomon Northup come to life and for people to know it. And back in the 1980s, she developed the first Solomon Northup Trail. And I remember them as being big round markers that mark different places on the road going to Alexandria. Because if you remember, my grandparents lived in Ellip and every weekend we would drive. And the Epps house was actually located in a turn on Highway 71. Well, it's been since moved and it's now on the property of LSUA and it's been restored. But this is a fascinating story. Solomon Northump was a free man of color. He lived in New York. He was a musician. He was a carpenter. He had a lot of trades. But he was approached by two men who said that they wanted to have him come and play the fiddle for them. He played the violin, but these people wanted him to play the fiddle at some entertainment functions that they were going to be performing. And so Solomon agreed to do it. And since it was going to be a short trip, he didn't bother to tell his wife that he was going away. So these men ended up drugging him. They took him to Washington, D.C., and then they sent him down to New Orleans where he was sold as a slave. And he ended up in central Louisiana around the Alexandria area. And he worked at various plantations while he was there. His autobiography is 12 years a slave. So it tells you how long he was in Louisiana. When he was working for Edwin Epps, he met a man named Samuel Bass. And Samuel Bass was talking a lot around the slaves about his anti-slavery views. So Solomon Northup, who had been renamed Platt uh, to take away his identity, um, 
confided in him about his real name and how he was abducted, drugged, and sold into slavery. And Bass started writing letters on his behalf to people in New York and finally helped him obtain his freedom. And so sites along the Solomon Northup Trail that are really critical to the story are the Epps House, the Bunky Depot, and the Aboyles Parish Courthouse, because that's actually where he got his papers to be freed and was then sent home. So that is a fascinating story of someone who, meaning well, was kidnapped sold into slavery and lived around the Alexandria uh, Rapids of Boyle's Parish area for 12 years. And his family never knew what happened to him. You know what I'm thinking? My uh, Katrina exile, I guess about three months was spent in Boyle's Parish in Marksville because we have family there. And some of the places you mentioned, I passed by every day, uh, you know, like the Boyle's Parish Courthouse, not realizing the, uh, the history behind it. That's why it's important that we have these kind of trails and this kind of information. Yeah, they're very proud of this. And I, I Northup wrote his autobiography. It was ghost written, but uh, in 1853. And Sue Eakin rewrote, and she had LSU Press republish it because she wanted people to know this story. And she was a journalist and, a, prof and a, a professor at LSUA. She and her family owned the Bunky Record for a while, and she used those tools to get this story out. So I did read an article somewhere where Brad Pitt is credited for bringing the story to life, but nobody worked harder on keeping this story in the public eye than Sue Eakin. She needs a lot of credit. She passed away in 2009, but this was a remarkable woman. She's the one who introduced me to it. So I understand her passion for it. And then of course, they had the movie, 12 Years a Slave, that won the best picture in 2013. But, you know, you still got to keep it in the minds of people. So these places that are of historic significance don't diminish. So you're the one who pushed for making this a, a designated byway? No, Suikin did. Okay. He worked with people to get it designated before her death. Okay. There are a total of uh, 19 of, 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 of byways. Uh, I'm tempted to want to talk about all of them, but time doesn't uh, allow. Maybe really quickly, there's one called the Myths and Legends Byway. What, what, yeah. What is that? Okay, well, if you know your Louisiana history, you know that there was a no man's land strip. Between the Louisiana Purchase and when the state became a state, um, there was this time period where no man's land was a haven for outlaws and bandits. And you had bandits like John Merle, who would dress as a dandy and go to New Orleans and have a great time. Then he would come back to Western Louisiana and he was a land pirate and he would rob and murder the people taking their cattle and cargo to Mexico to sell. 
Um, see, we had the West Gang. You had the Kimbrel Gang. I mean, they're the bandits. We had Jean Lafitte that was going up into this area. So it was a haven for outlaws and bandits. So they wanted to capitalize on this and tell the stories of the myths and legends of Western Louisiana. The, um, the kingpin of this byway is the Gothic jail that's in DeRitter. They call it the hanging jail because two men were executed by hanging in the jail, but it's a big Gothic structure. And they give tours, they give night tours. They say it's haunted, so they kind of give the ghost tours at night. Um, it, it gets hundreds and tens of thousands of people every year, particularly in October for uh, Halloween, because people are fascinated by this Gothic jail. But anyway, that's the story behind that byway. It tells the myths and legends of this no man's land. Okay, I just want to distinguish there are these uh, historic byways. Uh, there are two, two areas in the state that are, have received like national level attention. One we talked about is the river road um, and the other is the, uh, uh, the Creole Nature Trail, All-American Road. And yes. this is one that's, uh, well, well, one end is at by Lake Charles and then it goes around along the Gulf. Right. The Creole Nature Trail is really a wetlands trail. It has all kinds of prairie grass. It has swamp lands. It has the uh, wildlife that you would find in swamps and bayous. But what's interesting about the Creole Nature Trail is the various numbers of grasses and different landscapes that you can see in like a 183-mile circle. Uh, it's, uh, it was an all-American road. It was designated, oh, I want to say 10 years ago. And now the Great River Road is an all-American road. And so we have two in Louisiana now. And... There aren't that many All-American roads in the country. Um, 15 All-American roads were designated during this last round with the Federal Highway Administration. Eight of those were the Great River Roads in the various states. Okay. Uh, I mean, it's quite a prestigious number to be part of. And then Bayou Tash and Boomer Bust are, have been designated national scenic byways. In Louisiana, we have over 3,000 miles of byways, and it crisscrosses all over the state of Louisiana. And if people did want to go to Louisiana, um, louisianabyways.com, they'll find a map. I've been working on developing videos for the byways so you can see if there's a video and you can upload it and it talks about what the byway is about. It's very entertaining and I think they're very well done. Um, but they can also write to me or contact the Louisiana Office of Tourism and I can send them a Louisiana byways map. But it's a, it's a beautiful website. Uh, it's got the maps and, and yeah, for each of these areas it even has a a short film about it. So you've done incredible work on this. Again, I keep urging people to, to go do this. Well, look, this has been fun and there's still so much more to talk about. Maybe we can uh, revisit someday and talk about 
some more areas. But again, the website is, is where do they go to see the website? www.louisianabyways.com. Louisiana Byway or Byways? Byways with an S. Uh, Louisianabyways.com. Um, any other areas in the works right now or? Uh, not byway specific, but I'm going to be working on a music trail, a Louisiana music trail, which will crisscross on top of some of these, particularly the Zydeco Cajun Prairie Byway that is all over St. Lanfrey Parish, Evangel, Acadia. I mean, I think they're going to be the hub of it. We have Zydeco Cajun in southwest Louisiana. Jazz in uh, southeast Louisiana, swamp pop across the southern part of the state, blues in North Louisiana. Uh, so, country, country rock, country yeah, a lot of a lot of music heritage here. So, well, Sharon, uh, this has been very uh, educational. I enjoy talking to you. Well, I enjoyed being on your show, and thanks to all of you listening. Thanks again to to Kelly for pulling all the right switches. Thanks again to Sharon. We'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Bye. Thanks for listening to Louisiana Insider. Subscribe, like, and rate our show where you listen to your podcasts and follow us on social media at Louisiana Life Mag. Executive producer for Louisiana Insider is Kelly Massico in cooperation with Louisiana Life Magazine. For subscription information to Louisiana Life, call 504 828 1380. Our theme music was provided by Rich Collins. Hey, that's me. Join us again next week for more discoveries inside Louisiana. <laughs>